mutinyradio.fm. Hit the donate button, stream them live, download a podcast, have some fun! Full of black plastic, full of... Yeah.
John a Jew. Oh, he's so cool. He had no decision. He's just trying to tell a vision. Oh, some thought this was sad. And others thought it mad. They just scratching the surface. JJ could do the floor kiss. Or was he on display? No, no, not today. All that guy ever said. He said, I want my little wing head. Be half asleep at night. Over his head, sensational flight. Wake up dreaming, dreaming, and you run down to the airport to rush the roar. And he crouches down behind the fence with a chest full of lights.
them cats take the vessel. You know what I'm talking about? Well, let's hear your lineup, Lou. Well, I know who's gonna play, but sure, here's the roster. Homesick Harris, Sonny Bright, Bad Wills Clarence, Buckle Buck Wright, Booker T. Welfare, Two-Face Macy, Natural Nate, Nowhere Tracy, Out-of-Town Brown, Black Magic Ray, Jango George Johnson, and All the Way Gray. Anderson, Fluid Drive Dixon, Hopalong Henderson, Tricky Nixon, <laughs> Business Ben, Boogaloo Bell, Fingers Trent, and Funky Marcel. <laughs> Earthquake Blake, Hips McNeil, Jake the Snake, and the real Don Steele. <laughs> Savers Davis, Lima Bean Green, Nitroglycerin, and Split the <laughs> Righteous Roscoe, Ivory Joe Poe, and the Automatic Toe of Mojo.
love and I love the life I live. My diamond ring and my money too. Tomorrow night they could belong to you. Fellas move me at their will. I live life I love and I love the life I live. Butterbean, butterbean, 
me the person who doesn't like Butterbean. Well, you can have your yams, you can have your collard greens. But if you want to please little old me, you better pick
does not move. I've seen them. They come in their uniforms. They come and with a quick tug with shiny tools, they pull out the whole cylinder, change the lock, haul out the stuff inside. A new orange key is inserted, waiting for a proper owner. This one's new key is gone, so I know someone else's stuff is in there. Probably someone with a house who only stores peripheral stuff in the trans bay lockers. Someone who lives by Carlin's words. That's what your house is. A place to keep your stuff while you go out and get more stuff. I knock my head against the locker until I feel a hand on my shoulder. I spin around and the short woman in front of me holds out her heavy canvas gloved hands. Whoa, she says, and makes a grip of her shielded fingers as if she were pulling back on reins. Whoa there. I know she's the one who confiscates stuff. I've seen her, gingerly emptying the lockers into garbage bags. Fuck off, I shout into her face. I want to spit, but I also don't want to go to juvie. And I notice out of the corner of my eye that security is heading over at a rather non-leisurely pace. So I duck out of her reach and begin to sprint for the exit. Wait, she yells out to me. I turn and give her the finger. I won't turn and show her my face. She saw it once. I won't give her the satisfaction of seeing it again. I wipe fast at my eyes. I have your stuff, she calls out. I keep moving till the words sink in. I spin around. The guard is now behind her. Without looking at him, she gives him a fast, low wave, as if she were shaking bangles. He steps back reluctantly. I have your stuff, she repeats quietly. Some of the bums have hoisted themselves into a better position to observe the action. The commuters walk by with their hurried clip. I clear my throat. It still hurts when I swallow, and I think that without the force of rage, it might not be able to produce words. I feel like the raccoons we watch them trap, in the park, in the dawn. Come on, baby. Got some tasty stuff for you. Come and get it. Where? Where is it? My voice cracks. I tighten my grip on my plastic hospital bag that reads personal belongings in bright blue. She starts to walk toward me. I step back. She turns toward the guard behind her and says some words I can't hear. He nods and we both watch him walk away. She waves me over. I estimate the guard's distance versus mine. I judge it a mathematical equation that works out in my favor. So I stiffen my body and cautiously move toward the wall of lockers. She's holding something in her hand. And at first I think she's going to play a game of guess which hand with me. But as I approach, she turns over her palm to display a key. This one has a red plastic square, the color of blood in a specimen tube. Where's my stuff? I whisper to her, my eyes on the key resting in the middle of the blackened suede-like cloth of her glove. It's in the lower locker at the end, she points with her chin. Why you gotta make a scene? Take this. She holds the key out further and I peck it out fast the way I've seen some of the park raccoons that have been around for a while do. They nab the food from the side without getting into the trap. What, you think I'm playing with you? I could get fired for this, she frowns at me, then follows it with a fast wink. 
which makes me confused as to how to answer. She reads my face and takes a quick breath. That's your key. Don't lose it. It won't need no money. She turns and just like that walks away. I watch her head through a huge, thick door marked personnel only. I examine the key and look around. The guard is busy nudging a seemingly lifeless body with his foot. I head straight to the bottom locker the security guard pointed to and squat right in front of it. I don't know what to expect. I look around and no one is watching anymore. All the homeless are prone again. The commuters are still rushing past me in a blur. I try to detach myself as I fit the key in, the way I do when the men hand me my money and start to undo my pants. The lock clicks, making little gulping noises, and with a faint metallic gasp, it opens for me. I sit in front of the locker and stare at the contents. There are all my notebooks, stacked neatly and tied with twine, like how schoolboys carried their books in the olden days. I like your stuff, the trans bay maintenance woman says from behind me. I don't respond. I just close the door of my locker and tie the key back around my waist. She doesn't stop. The soft scuffle of her shoes travels past me. I lean back to watch her till she recedes into one of the cavernous rooms of the terminal. I slide my notebooks halfway out of the locker to shove into my personal belongings bag. I sit and stare at them, frozen, as if I'd just ID'd a body in a morgue. I trace my fingertips along the careful bows she made on top of them. I turn and can see her vague form stuffing newspaper from the benches into the trash. I reach into my plastic bag and pull out two pages of stuff I wrote in the hospital and place it on top of the pile. I push it back into the locker, wrap the key around my ankle, and slam the door. Don't touch my fucking stuff, I whisper toward her, grab my bag and leave. And now, after I've gotten clean, and I have a bed to sleep in every night, and some of the stuff in the locker's actually been published, I keep meaning to go back, to tell her, to give her the letter I've typed. And somehow it's years before I do make it back there. I feel as obscured as I always did among all those headed off with purpose stuff to do.
father, oh father, build me a boat Then down the Wisconsin I may float And every raft that I pass by There I will inquire for my sweet pinery boy As she was rowing down the stream She saw three rafts all in the string And she hailed the pilots as they passed by And there did she inquire for her sweet pinery boy Oh, pilot, oh, pilot, tell me true Is my sweet Willie among your crew? Oh, tell me quick and give me joy For none other will I have but my sweet pinery boy color of his hair and his eyes were blue and his cheeks were fair and his lips were of a ruby fine ten thousand times they met with mine Long Rock as we pass by Oh, there is where we left your sweet pinery boy She wrung her hands and tore her hair Just like a lady in great despair She rode her boat Against Lone Rock For a piney boy Her heart was broke Airlines. Is Airlines. That's right, sir. The proud bird with a cast iron tail. <laughs> I stole the commercial, Charlie Brown. I just want to know what that is your level six leaf for San Antonio. It leaves at 11.06. Okay. We have tourists in first class. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> in first class, you get an extra vegetable. Huh? You get an extra vegetable in first class. Okay, I'll take an onion. <laughs> we're we're going to have some turbulence. No, I'll stick with the onions. <laughs> Do you serve Chinese food? Yes, we serve everybody food. Just serve 
Till I know you've got to miss me when I'm gone
the podcast you can listen on the go. Listen to live streaming radio or download a podcast and you can listen on the go. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. Why not make a donation? Streaming live the station.
Mrs. Gunderson's. You've got an urge to get out there in the night air. You go get your shorts on and get your biking gloves and your badass yellow biking cap and you go to the garage. You leave your community service officer mandated bike light on until you turn from the driveway and then you stop to disconnect it. You're at the mailbox and looking back, making sure no one inside is seeing you, and your house looks strange. Your house is not quite straight. The roof is slanted or something. For some reason it doesn't look as straight as most of the other houses. You have many times sat on your lawn trying to figure out just what it is about your house that makes it look kind of crooked or sloping, but have yet to discern just what it is. There's a gutter on the front of the roof that definitely slants. That much is clear. It goes from left to right and descends easily a foot en route. So maybe that's it. Sometimes you wish your house were more upstanding and rigid-seeming, and other times you like it because at night it seems haunted. And though you hate haunted houses because they're stupid and retarded, you wouldn't mind living in one if you knew what was what about that haunted house. Your house was white, but now it looks kind of beige or the color of paper when held briefly over a candle. Your house is in a corner of your town on a cul-de-sac with heavy pines where you can't see the neighbors readily, a shady and overgrown enclave where the UPS man parks when he wants to nap or organize his packages. But now your light is detached and it is time. It is time to ride. You will ride and you will ride in the dark. You are part of the dark. When you ride at night, you are a black ghost rider, a nocturnal thing, an element of the night, like a wolf or a tree or automatic sprinkler or something. You get on your bike and your bike feels fast with the tires so full and you're up the hill faster than ever before. Your Toshiba Walkman is clipped to your shorts and back and you've got your Smith's mix on. You fast forwarded to Well I Wonder and you swerve a little to prove to the song that you love it. Why does this song speak to you? You are not sure. Maybe it's that like Mr. Morrissey, you aren't sure yet whether this is the world you were intended for. You walk lightly on this earth, you don't get too attached because at any moment you might be taken away by someone from another planet or by a French academy of some kind. One for the truly singular, where they train you to be a philosopher or opera singer or whatever. 
And so when they come to claim you, you don't want to miss anyone too much. You turn the song up and close your eyes. You ride a whole block, blind, meandering, tempting doom, demonstrating your devotion. The night is warm and the road is empty and the lights of the houses are few. Your t-shirt is hiding your walking so its silver casing doesn't reflect when cars go by. You can't have cars seeing you. Your t-shirt is black and your shorts are blue and you are not wearing shoes. You are the barefoot bike boy. You are the barefoot bike boy who can ride faster than cars or wolves or wind. Cars are pussies and wolves are pussies and the wind, compared to you and your speed, is also a pussy. And you're barefoot and this makes you only you, wholly apart from every other stupid, rancid, boring, loud, whining, crying person in the goddamn world. If aliens came to Earth, they would recognize you as the most highly evolved of all humans, would discern your individuality and your skill and your bike and your originality for not wearing shoes and would take you with them. You would be selected above all, above the president and above Gil Gerard and Aaron Gray and maybe even Mark Hamill. You would go with the aliens and teach them everything and see everything. Planets of purple covered in water, the color and viscosity of blood. And you'd come back with incredible powers and you would be able to kill the bad teenagers in the class of 1984 in a way never before seen by mankind. The teeth of the petals are biting your instep, but you can handle the pain. Yes, you can. People keep telling you you have a high threshold for pain, and then you tell other people or anyone who will listen about your extraordinarily high threshold for pain. Dr. Sonia, the dentist who gave you your last filling, told you that, that you have a high threshold for pain, and so you walked home banging your head on tree trunks to corroborate her thesis. You went home and cut your palm a little with a steak knife and stuck a needle through a flap of flesh on your calf, and it bled more than you thought, but it hardly hurt at all. Your threshold for pain is totally amazing, and you wonder how the hell to make sure everyone knows about it without bragging too much. You could go on That's Incredible. Maybe you could meet the host, Kathy Lee Crosby, and she'd be so intrigued by your high threshold for pain that she'd touch your crotch. Everyone's gonna find it damn fascinating and you're gonna have to hire a manager for all the girls wanting to touch your crotch. People will throw you money and you'll have to move into a castle with a moat so people won't always want to be testing your high threshold for pain. Evil Knievel will come out of nowhere and want to test you too and you will crush him without mercy. Man, the aliens, when they find out about your complete and utter indifference to pain that would cripple or kill any mortal man, let alone someone of your tender age, they'll want you to be their damn king or something. You put your bike down in the hedge in front of Mrs. Gunnerson's house. There is a light on in the living room, lit as if with butter, with butter here in
Shine. 
Why upon this lovely day must that wretched fiddler play? All the sky one stainless blue, every note he strikes untrue. Summer deep embowered in flowers, silent music in the hours. In the east, the feather moon, and that fiddler out of tune. God's hand never slipped to mar at the making of a star. There's no true excuse yet made for the bungler at his trade. she passes goes ah. when she walks she's like a samba that swings so cool and sways so gentle that when she passes each one she passes goes Ooh. but I watch her so sadly I tell her I love her Yes, I would give my heart gladly But each day when she walks to the sea She looks straight ahead, not at me Tall and tan and young and lovely The girl from Ipanema goes walking and when she passes, I smile, but she doesn't see, doesn't see. Olha que coisa mais linda, mais cheia de graça, bela menina que vem, que passa, num doce balanço, caminho do mar. Moça do cor dourado, do sol de Ipanema, o seu balançado parece um coema, é a coisa mais que eu já vi passar Ooh, But I watch her so sadly
is the show folks thanks for listening we need your money if you could come through the website and click us some some help financially uh, get out there and do your civic duty just don't do it in front of my house you need radio.fm
No. 